when I read today's lessons, I suddenly felt that we'd made a significant shift. We had, in a very real way, moved from the Old Testament to the New. I know that the Christian scriptures officially begin with Matthew and then the other Gospels, but it is when we arrive at the book of Acts and then at the letters, the epistles, sent by a number of apostles to gatherings and individuals beginning to think of themselves as a new group, that we feel a new energy, a pull, toward, a pull forward toward a new dispensation. Jesus, of course, lived his life as a Jew. His Bible and his was the Hebrew Holy Scriptures. His religious practices and theology were embedded in Jewish law. But with today's readings, the story has diverged. The disciples are out on their own, preaching and healing in the name of Jesus. In today's gospel, when Jesus appears to his followers, he comes as the post-resurrection Christ, not the rabbi of the teaching passages. We don't hear them call themselves Christians. However, they are teaching and acting in the name of Christ, not according to the law and the prophets of the old belief system. They don't seem to be particularly concerned about whether those they talk to, those they heal, are Jews or Gentiles. The people set apart are no longer to be seen as the inside group. Although the disciples are Jews, they have become ambassadors and leaders to something beyond the holy story that came before. The definition of the chosen people has changed. The first episode in today's readings chronologically is the passage from Luke's Gospel. It's one of several post-resurrection stories continued in the Gospels. In this one, Jesus does not say, don't touch me, as he does elsewhere, but instead invites them to verify his physical reality. Then, almost as another act of evidence, he asks for something to eat, and they give him a piece of fish. Once his reality has been verified by their touching and by his eating, he hastens to assure them that he is, in fact, the one predicted in the Hebrew scriptures, that everything in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms is fulfilled by his life and ministry. The new idea here is the one that moves beyond the Jewish holy sources. These were prophecies not just for the Jews, but for all the world. It is here, it seems to me, that the church universal begins. These few followers are to begin their teaching now and here in Jerusalem. In the episodes we heard from the book of Acts, the disciples have begun their work. They've moved out from that amazing visit from Jesus in Jerusalem and are beginning to go about the area telling the good news and helping people, healing and teaching. Peter has healed a lame man and wishing to deflect credit to the real source, quickly assures the man and the crowd that the healing is not his doing, but the power of Jesus working in him. And then Peter, and the Peter we have seen before, demanding, blunt, sometimes overwhelming and unsettled, the one who denied Jesus during his trial, is here obviously transformed by his mission, by the trust that Jesus has placed in him, and by the urgency of the job that those in the upper room have been sent out to do. He announces that he knows that those to whom he is ministering and whom he and the others are healing and helping are the very ones 
the people of Jerusalem who called for Jesus to be crucified. But he says here with amazing calm and patience and forgiveness, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. It was, he suggests, all in accordance with the scripture that what the scripture had foretold, and thus they should turn to God and their sins will be forgiven. Among the letters collected in the Christian scriptures, many bear the names of an apparent disciple, but the actual identity of these writers, these missionaries, will probably never be known. The writer we call today First John is not identified as the disciple John nor as the gospel writer John. But in this letter, he summarizes for an unidentified audience, probably a group of followers he's been teaching and leading, one of faith's most enduring concepts, that we are children of God. We have become as precious as those born into a family. We have become, we have this amazing jump of identity. Instead of the nameless, the orphaned millions of history, those who find Christ are also related to God in a special way. Instead of fear and isolation and loneliness, each of us is able to become pure and Christ-like, to be literally a sibling of the Christ. No wonder these early followers were encouraged and dedicated. Never before had their faith so clearly offered them peace and security, comfort and family, love, acceptance. They are also here referred to as little children. This is not to demean or reduce them or to suggest that they are helpless, but to return them to their beginnings, to say to them, you are newly created. The lovely summary of these new feelings of security and the love of God is echoed in the ancient words of the psalm, where the singer was longing for the very security that is to come. Answer me when I call, O God, defender of my cause. Know that the Lord does wonders for the faithful. When I call upon the Lord, he will hear me. You have put gladness in my heart. I lie down in peace at once I fall asleep. For only you, Lord, make me dwell in safety. This might be a good day to consider as the birthday of the church. The risen Christ comes to the disciples as they gather, still in fear and uncertainty. He reviews his teachings and opens the process that is to come. He orders them to spread the news. He tells them repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in my name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witness of these things. And he is speaking to us too. Jesus has already told us what our relationship with the world is to be. We are to love God and each other. Now he orders them and us as missionaries, newly ordained, to take his message to the world. We should never forget that we are the inheritors of those first disciples, those first teachers and letter writers. Being a Christian is not a passive enterprise. Jesus didn't instruct his followers to get together once a week to sit quietly and listen to somebody talk about him. He said things like, Proclaim, heal, act, forgive, rejoice, love. Like the opening chapter of Genesis, here is a beginning. And I believe it's still up to us, the church, to follow his instructions. We are the children of God. We have a mission. 
We want to do our jobs as ambassadors. And then here, he looked upon that handiwork and saw that it was good. Amen.